This is Jennifer Pepito, and welcome to the Restoration Home podcast. This is a podcast about the peaceful path to connected families and restored communities. It's all about how the simple things that we do as women and as mothers have the potential to save the world. In the first season, we're going to be going through the rules of St. Benedict, simple practices like work, hospitality, community, and prayer. I'll be matching these practices up with books I'm reading, and I'll be having some wonderful conversations with guests about how these practices are transforming their lives and the world around them. I hope you'll join me each week as together we work towards a restoration home. Today, I'm talking to Emily Pepito. Emily is my oldest daughter, and I'm so excited to chat with her today about the restorative practice of work. Thanks for joining me today, Emily. Thank you for having me on. It's a real pleasure to be here. I'm so excited about these conversations that we're going to be having over the next several months about different practices that were part of the Benedictine rule, or some people call it the common rule, but also practices that have been used through the centuries to bring restoration to culture and to families and communities. And the first one we wanted to talk about is the practice of work. Yeah, work is such an incredible part of a, I think, restoring society, of being a whole home, of having a family that is in rhythms. And I think one of the beautiful things about work too is that it isn't just drudge. I think it's a very important part of like flow within a family and very healing in the rhythms that it can bring. Yeah, I love that. And you know, it's such a big part of creativity. Right now I'm working on some writing about Edith Schaefer and I was reading in The Hidden Art of Homemaking how she talks about work being part of our creative process and being that we're made in the image of God it's part of being creative even. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I think that's one of the things about work that is often ignored is the like the creative side to it or even like the worshipful side of getting a job done. Yeah, that's so true. And I think sometimes people have gotten an attitude about work that it's just like drudgery or it's not worth it unless it's, it comes with a certain paycheck. But what motivates you, like you're one of the hardest working people I know, what motivates you to work, even if it's not tied immediately to pay? Well, I like the result of work a lot. I think one of my work heroes is actually, I know we're talking about horse of a different color, and his sense of work ethic and rhythms was incredible. But then also Martha in Cheaper by the Dozen because she recognized that work was necessary and so she moved towards efficiency and so she was like I have this work to do and and the payoff or what I want to obtain is going to be worth doing it and doing it well and quickly 
So when you're out there, like right now, we live on 1.8 acres and you're home finishing up your dissertation and you've been out pretty much every day, like taking care of the chickens and the bees and planting vegetable gardens. When you're out there doing all this work, are you thinking about Martha or what is motivating you to get out there? And you're doing, you're not doing stuff that I asked you to do to help me. You're doing stuff just for the pure pleasure in a way. What's keep, what makes you want to do this? Well, that, that aspect of it, I was thinking probably just like chores, like Martha just got her chores done. And I was thinking about like cleaning bathrooms. I'm like the most efficient way through this. Um, but the out of the outside work or even sort of cleaning my home on Fridays or that those sorts of things is I really love things to be beautiful. And so for me, work is a way of getting there. And so even like stacking the water, working with the garden, it's part of like being able to grow things and then also... I just really want to create beauty. And then I also obviously want to help the bees and all these other things that are going on. Yeah. I love that you recognize beauty as part of it because I think, you know, in Sarah Clarkson's book, she talks a lot about how beauty will save the world. And I think that comes from another bit of writing, but you know, there is an element of being able to have one little corner of order, whether it's one desk in a whole home or one home in a whole neighborhood. Or, you know, there was a study where one of the New York mayors, I can't remember which one, he cleaned up the subways and stopped letting them do graffiti in the subways. And just that little bit of bringing order into chaos started diminishing crime in that city. That's amazing. It's like incredible to think about because it's such a sort of a micro a micro job, like obviously be quite a big one, but still the effect that beauty can have on changing your mindset and your attitude towards yourself and the world around you. One of the things I love as I'm reading about St. Benedict is that they had a very kind of strict schedule of work. Like they were supposed to do four to five hours of study or kind of reading the Bible or prayer, things like that. And maybe a similar amount of time of work. And I can't remember exactly what the time distinction was. But I love that it wasn't, the whole day wasn't dedicated to physical work and neither was the whole day dedicated to mental work. And I think that's one thing that we need to find balance. And I know for myself, even thinking about earlier years with you, with my seven children, there were times when work was out of balance, you know, when it felt like, oh, we don't paint this whole room today, then we're going to, you know, not have a comfortable place to live. And so in an effort to beautify things, we maybe missed out on relationship. What do you think about keeping work in balance? I I 100% agree with that. And like, I, I know we've talked about this just in conversation before with the horse of a different color and how it was so consistent with like Friday nights where they would put on their like good clothes, go to town, make a night of it. And I think the other thing that I've experienced for myself is that the more work becomes my whole life, the more, and not just like the work I love, so like working in the garden is very restorative, but the work I don't love or the work that I find challenging, the more it becomes my whole life, the more, the longer I take to do it because I start to have this mindset of it doesn't matter whether I get it done or not because it won't be I get it done and I have a break from work or I get it done and I get to rest or connect with people or do something I enjoy. It's always, okay, if I get this done, I just have to go on to the next job. Um, and so I think that having that ability to do a job or to have a very clear goal of how much work 
is is reasonable or required for a day, but then knowing how to have those shutoff times or those transition times where you are balancing out work is really important. Yeah, I think that it is so good. Now, you've brought up a couple of times A Horse of a Different Color, and that's a book in the Little Britches series by Ralph Moody. And that whole series is one of our inspirations for work because Ralph Moody, you know, he learns a lot of lessons. Like in the earlier books, he kind of doesn't want to work as much or he, you know, there's a, a point where he wants to quit on a job because it's so thankless. It's a thankless job. But then by the time you get to the last story, Horse of a Different Color, he's got this incredible work ethic as well as developing a beautiful and balanced life. Talk a little bit about what you learned from that book. His work ethic was just insane. And it's like one of those things where you read it and you're like, how like, how are you able to go at this pace? Because I think he was up at 4 a.m. to sleep at 11 p.m. Just, just going. And it's so impressive. And I think one of the big things, too, is that he work was – it wasn't just work, but he – it was work with a goal. And so he kind of engaged with the community to restore. There was this big flood that happened and that it was sort of going into what would become the Great Depression. And um, and so he's, he's working with this community to really sort of help them get on their feet after experiencing this flood and some other hard times. And so you see work as part of a bigger goal, which is really incredible. Um, and I think also, again, back to what I was saying earlier about him having rhythms, like he was very, very good at sort of putting in those rhythms where it was like Friday night, they had this party and he was also very thankful for the people who came alongside him, which I thought was beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I love that they're like, you talked about the rhythms and even the balance because there are, you know, for us in our homes or maybe for somebody who's going to school or somebody who doesn't have a family yet, there are still a variety of kinds of work we have to do. And I think in, you know, for students, like I'm thinking about my yourself, about you or about friends, children who are in the years of being students, even, even homeschooled high schoolers, for instance, there can be this idea that everything has to be about academics. And then these, these students miss out on the chance to develop life skills or develop their own interests or be creative or even have some restorative time. How have you throughout your own academic years developed the, you know, kind of rhythms that include time to restore your soul and time to maybe plant, uh, plant something. Cause I, even in your years where you were doing on campus university work in Belfast, when I visited you, you still had a clean home and you baked sourdough bread and you had plants that you propagated. How did you make time for that? And what would you say to moms of maybe homeschool high schoolers who are thinking, oh, I've just got to load them up with academics so they're not going to make it? I think I was very loaded up with academics. I think that it is, I think when you have your own space that belongs to you. And so obviously I was always living with the flatmate, but we sort of, I always found flatmates where we didn't just co-inhabit, but we very much had a community, had a home together. And so I think it was very easy to um, engage with the place I was living in as if it were my home and then want to create beauty there. I think that the the biggest thing, honestly, though, in terms of being a student and I looking back even now, I'm like, man, like I wish I was better at creating real rhythms in my work 
because a lot of that was procrastination. And so oftentimes we, I think, can use, we have an urgent task or an important job, but we use other work to distract from the job we're actually supposed to be doing or called to. But like for you, balancing peaceful press and work, you probably have a lot more insight in terms of balancing multiple jobs and creating rhythms for like self-recovery, for creating beauty, for doing what feeds your soul, and then also getting the work done. Yeah. I mean, I think it's something we're both constantly learning and growing in. You know, I, the way I wrote my first book was uh, Mothering by the Book. I just got up early every morning and cranked out a few hundred words, maybe a day. And as I'm writing this new book about some of these practices, it's sort of the same rhythm of getting up early and writing before homeschool time. But I'm also, you know, I think some of the moms listening to us probably have multiple small children in their home. And so they're trying to balance, you know, the housework, the laundry, the homeschooling, it's all on them. As you, you know, growing up in our home, what are some of the things you'd say to them or you wish you could have said to me 10 years ago? Trying to balance the work. I think, I think one of the biggest things is that that I learned from living with, I had a flatmate, she was, um, she was English and really, really wonderful. And she was so good at creating habits. And I think that we have, there's like work work. So, you know, restoring the garden or stacking the wood where it sort of like crops up, it's an extra job. Um, but then there's the daily work of sweeping the floor, making the meals, getting the dishes done, get, tidying up the house, getting kids dressed, getting kids undressed, getting kids showered, all of these sort of like mundane tasks. And for a lot of those things, they, they do not have the same sort of like high as going out and repainting an old table does or building up a garden or things like that. And so I think work tied to habit is really important because then it becomes like for you in writing the book, it was really impressive the way that you made that a habit. And I think growing up, if more of our, more of the necessary work that went into running a house had been naturally cultivated as routine, it would have actually been less stressful and, and caused or required less effort overall to get it done. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think about like myself as a person, there's a Charlotte Mason quote where she talks about how you know, you think it's okay to let your child go out and not shut the door this time or your child's busy playing. And so you don't want to interrupt them to do the one habit. And, but the more you, the more inconsistent you are, the worse it is. And that was sort of my fault is that I, I loved seeing my kids playing. And so I would hesitate to interrupt them to do the habit, but then the habits never get trained if we don't stop the fun thing to learn the habit. And, you know, something we're still learning, but also thinking about these habits, you know, it reminds me of your sister, my, my second daughter, Eden, who is so rhythmic about, you know, part of the reason I can work for the peaceful press or write a book now is because Eden lives here and she, every morning after breakfast is done, cleans the kitchen. And so the, the house is beautiful and it's functional and it's pleasant because she is so rhythmic about the tasks that she undergoes, despite some of my lack of training as you, um, you seven were growing up. And it'll be interesting to see how the younger ones handle their own homes and lives. But it is so encouraging for us as moms that 
despite some of our failures and people will have read about many of my failures in mothering by the book, uh, God is so gracious and really does fill in the gaps. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think, I think that is definitely something to be constantly aware of in any sort of like in any undertaking to create change or to become more of what we want in our lives or our families under like just recognizing that God is faithful and that he's he's part of that process like he's part of every every sort of aspect of our growth in our life yeah one of the things that I've seen you know some of the older homeschool moms struggle with is they put in the time and the effort to you know they worked they worked to create a beautiful family and then of a lot of it a lot of it feels like it's in shambles like maybe their children aren't propagating plants like they hoped they would or maybe their children aren't living a beautiful lifestyle like they thought they were cultivating. What do you say to those moms who are just so discouraged and feeling so defeated? About how their efforts have paid off? Yeah, like, you know, just how do you get started again when you feel like your work was fruitless? I think I think the biggest thing for me has become why am I doing this work? So why am I cleaning my house? Why am I gardening? Why am I doing my thesis? Like my thesis is the the job sort of that feels both monumental at the moment and never ending. And if I, if I focus on the low payoff, if I focus on the, the task itself and, and the reward I expect for the task, I will just sort of like not do it. (laughs) And it will sit there building and staring at me. But I think when we can learn to step back and be like, I was called to be a mom to the best of my ability, be humble or, or a daughter. I was called to be a daughter to the best of my ability. I was called to be a sister. Like I, you know, I've put a lot of, as an oldest daughter, I have put a lot of effort into being a sister. And a lot of that effort was hard work, but it was misguided hard work. And it's now completely ineffective and ineffectual and even requires some undoing. But I think, but I think recognizing like, a, it's not about me and what I did. The ultimate goal is relationship with my siblings, and so if that's the ultimate goal, then, um, like I just heard this phrase in in crypto, DeFi, and investment, and it was if you really want to be a serious investor, you cannot count the sunk cost. And so it's like, what is your goal? And my goal and my dream is to be in community with my family. And so yes, I could look at all the ways I've messed up, the relationships that I now have to sort of rebuild in some ways or unwind and rebuild or, and I, and I could be like, man, like if I, things have just been different, if I just done differently in these situations, but, but it isn't. And I now have what I have. And so I think, I think submitting to my calling as a daughter and a sister um, in the Pepito family and being like, as long as I have family, I will continue to do my utmost in sort of the grind and in the joy of doing that, regardless of the outcome, regardless of other people's willingness to engage or not. Oh, that's so beautiful. I mean, obviously, as a mother, that just um, brings a lot of emotion up because as a mom, my greatest joy is that my children love God and love us. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. that we, that, you know, and I appreciate what you're saying doesn't just apply to daughters, it applies to mothers, it applies to sisters, because if we look at a past failure as the 
definition of us, we'll, we'll be so full of shame and regret. We won't be able to move on. But if we look at work just as faithfulness and the, the Psalm that's been you know resonating with me is trust in the Lord and do good. And so shalt thou dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. And so it's not about the results necessarily. We're the sower, but it's about just continuing to be faithful to what we believe God has called us to. And you articulated that so beautifully. Thank you. It's definitely a joy and an honor to be part of your family, Mom. <laughs> um, well, I'm so thankful, Emily, for your willingness to share your wisdom. I'm obviously just so thankful for each one of my children that you guys stay in community with us. And, you know, if people read our book or you watch the videos on the motheringbook.com page, you'll see that there's been some struggles. I mean, it, it, it isn't always perfect, but that's the thing that you can take heart as you're listening, no matter where you're at with your family, that restoration is what God is in the business of doing. And so you don't have to live in regret. You don't have to live in shame. You can say, you know, I forgive myself for the ways I've messed up. I forgive my husband or my children or my parents or whoever it is who's hurt you. And you can start living towards restoration in your home, in your community, in your life. 